Hello everyone, I'm Tony Bailey, Amarillo Campus Pastor, and our scripture passage for today is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him, and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. $1.87. That was all. And 60 cents of it was in pennies. Pennies saved one and two at a time. That begins the, the famous short story uh, by O. Henry entitled The Gift of the Magi. It's the fictional story of a, a poor young couple named Jim and Della. And it's Della who's been saving up the pennies and nickels and dimes and has saved up the $1.87. For months, she has been doing whatever she could to save up that money in order to buy her husband a Christmas gift. The problem was, though, Christmas was the next day and she still didn't have enough money. And Della loved her husband, Jim, with all of her heart and deeply desired to give him a wonderful gift, and specifically a chain to go along with his beloved pocket watch. Now, Jim's gold pocket watch was the only treasure he owned beside his wife, and it had been passed down from his grandfather to his father to him. And Della's only treasure, her only treasured possession besides her husband, Jim, was her long flowing hair. It was said that Della's beautiful hair fell about her, rippling and shining like a cascade of brown waters. It reached below her knee and made itself almost a garment for her. So with all the courage she could muster, she did the only sensible thing she could think to do. And she, on the day before Christmas, she went out into the cold and went and cut all of her hair off and sold it for $20. And taking that $20 and the $1.87 she'd been saving, she went and looked all day long to find that perfect 
chain for Jim's pocket watch. Finally, she found it and and paid the seller, and she had 78 cents left over. Then she hurried home and and tried her best to, to repair what was left of her hair. Now, when Jim got home later that evening, he could hardly believe uh, what he saw. His still beautiful wife, but with her locks cut off. Della felt nervous because she couldn't, she couldn't interpret the look that Jim was giving her. And she, she really cried within herself saying, please God, make him think that I'm still pretty. But Jim just stood there with a peculiar look on his face. Then after what seemed like a, an eternity, he finally uh, reached out and grabbed a hold of her and gave her a huge hug. And that's when Jim drew out his package for Della and gave her his gift. He told her that there wasn't anything she could do to make him like his girl any less. I love that. But told her if she'd unwrap the present, she'd begin to understand why he looked at her in such a way earlier. As she tore open the present, Della screamed with joy as she saw the gift, and then quickly she fell to sobbing. For you see, inside the package was a set of beautiful combs made of tortoiseshell and jeweled rims. Expensive. This was something that she'd been wanting for a long time. She had craved it, but knew she would never be able to afford it. She meekly replied to Jim, "My, my hair grows fast. And that's when Della came to her senses and and then got the present that she had got for Jim. The beautiful platinum chain for Jim's beloved pocket watch. She begged Jim to to put it on uh, his watch. But instead of obeying, Jim plopped down on the sofa, put his hands behind his head and said, Della, why don't we put up our Christmas presents and uh, keep them a while? They're too nice for us to use right now. You see, I sold my watch to get the money to buy your combs. Now, it's a a wonderful story. I I love this story. But let me read to you the last paragraph of this great story. The Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to the babe in the manger. They invented the art of giving Christmas presents. Being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones, possibly bearing the privilege of exchange in case of duplication. And here I have lamely related to you the uneventful chronicle of two foolish children in a flat who most unwisely sacrificed for each other the greatest treasure of their house. But in a last word to the wise of these days, let it be said that of all who give gifts, these two were the wisest. Of all who give and receive gifts, such as they are wisest. Everywhere they are wisest. They are the magi. I love that story. I, it's a wonderful story. And this story still moves me when I read it. Because we see in it the beauty of love. The beauty of sacrificial love that gives of itself. That gives the best present of all. And that is the beauty of this story. Today's Epiphany Sunday. It's, it's the Sunday we traditionally uh, remember and celebrate uh, the wise men coming to present their gifts to baby Jesus this newborn king. So on this first Sunday of the new year, I want us to reflect on these unexpected travelers who who literally risked their life to find this newborn baby. 
And it begs the question, why? What would compel these magi, these wise men, to come hundreds of miles to offer gifts to a future Jewish king? On the surface of it, it it doesn't really make sense. But before we get to the answer to that question, let's uh, take a moment and reflect on who these unexpected travelers really were. We're not even exactly sure where they came from. The text just says they came from the east. Now, many believe that they came from Babylon. And if they did indeed come from Babylon, it would have been a journey of about 900 miles. They would have traveled up the Euphrates and across into Syria and come down through Palestine in order to bring their gifts. What an amazing journey. You know, it would have taken several months to plan this trip. Now, tradition tells us that there were three wise men and that we got this number because of the three gifts that the wise men bring, the the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Now, it's interesting that Eastern Church thinks that there were 12. That's their tradition. We really don't know how many wise men came, how many magi came, but it must have been a large crowd. It must have been quite the entourage. They would have needed some type of soldiers to protect them on that long journey. And and it must have been a large enough crew that when they came into Jerusalem, that the people would notice, that Herod would notice. And it's curious that these magi, these wise men, would come to honor a Jewish child. Now, magi, the, the term means astrologers. And, and they would look to the sky for signs. But they were more than just astrologers. They, they use, usually were leaders in the religious courts of whatever country they came from. And it's our best guess uh, that they knew about these Jewish prophecies of old and about the Messiah because of the uh, Jewish exiles who'd lived in that area centuries before. So can you imagine? They, they, they could have even been the recipients of the tradition from men like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, when they were in captivity in Babylon. In fact, it says that, ba- uh, that Daniel was the president of Babylon University. He was the one who taught these magi, these astrologers centuries before, so they could be the inheritors of this tradition from Daniel. So I'm sure they were aware of of Balaam's prophecy in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17, when it says, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now, we really don't know much about this star that led the wise men. There's lots of speculation on what it could be, maybe a supernova or a comet or a coming together of several planets. We're not sure, and we might not ever be sure, but we we know that something in the night sky compelled them to go. But but imagine as these unexpected travelers, maybe even over a hundred of them, they, they show up in Jerusalem asking for directions to where this newborn Jewish king is born. The whole city is in an uproar. That's what the the text tells us. And and Herod has his best theologians go out and and search the scripture and try to figure out where was this newborn king supposed to be born. And after they searched searched, uh, the scriptures faithfully, they came back and they gave uh, Herod the prophecy from Micah. It says this, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least 
among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. And I've always been struck by the fact that as they're coming to Jerusalem, the the capital of the the Jewish nation, and, and the people there have anxiously been awaiting a Messiah, it doesn't say that any of the Jewish religious leaders actually go with the Magi to try to find this newborn king, to seek out Jesus. Only the pagan wise men go and seek out Jesus. The religious leaders, it, it really kind of talks to the, their state of affairs because they're, they're really in bed with the political leaders of the time. And, and they're more concerned with politics and they're more concerned with themselves than with God. And it's to their downfall. They fail to seek after God because they have been seeking after approval by men. But as we get back to the story, the, the Magi, they leave Jerusalem and they travel to Bethlehem in order to worship the one born King of the Jews. And there they give their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts befitting of a king. So I return back to the question that I asked in the beginning. What would compel these pagan astrologers to come hundreds of miles to go and offer gifts to a future Jewish king? I'm not sure they even knew the answer to this. But they knew something significant was taking place. But when we read the story in, in Matthew's gospel and we take the context of everything that's going on and everything that Matthew has already told us about Jesus, we see that their response is indeed the correct response. It's the correct response to Jesus. Devotion, sacrifice, and love. And it compels us to ask what is our response to the one born king of the Jews? Because the proper response is the one that these wise men gave. Devotion, sacrifice, and love. The, the arrival of Jesus, it requires us to devote our lives to him, to honor him with our best. In Jesus, we see, we see God giving his best. We see God giving himself, coming to earth in the form of a child, entering into our world in order to transform our lives so that we could be saved. This should compel us to offer our best to God. We should sacrifice like these wise men did in order to seek after Jesus, to give him our best. In Jesus, in this incarnation, uh, Jesus coming to earth, in his life that he lived, even in the crucifixion on the cross, we are given the example of what love truly is. And it should leave us awestruck because we see that this gift from God, his devotion, his sacrifice, his love, it's for us. And it moved the magi to devotion, sacrifice, and love. We too should give our best. We too should come and give love because we have received his love. Like the characters in uh, O. Henry's short story, Della and Jim, you know, their, their love for each other compelled them to give their best to the other. It's a wonderful story that they gave the best gift they could. So on this first Sunday of the new year, 
I invite you to fall in love with Jesus all over again, or maybe for the first time, because this is the best gift that we have been given by God. And I encourage you to give him your best as well. I pray that uh, you live this year in a way that offers God your best in devotion and in sacrifice and in love. Let us pray. How we thank you, God, for this Epiphany Sunday, for this new year, and this reminder that you have given us your best, and you have called us to be in relationship with you and to just be awestruck again by that incredible gift you have given us. May our hearts be devoted to you. May our lives be lived as a sacrifice for you. And, but more than that, may we learn to love you and love others as you have loved us. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.